Hello and welcome to the Rational National Podcast. I'm your host, David Dole. Coming up on today's show, five YouTube segments, starting with Katie Porter hilariously dunks on Bill Maher and Joe Biden, followed by Kiefer Sutherland slams Doug Ford for lying, followed by furious Jon Stewart scolds Congress, followed by an interview with Sahil of Progressive Voice. We discuss YouTube deplatforming, Stephen Crowder, and Twitch. And uh, ending on, Fox News analyst admits Bernie's speech is convincing. Now, it's a long podcast, or I should say a long set of segments, so I don't want to waste too much time here in the intro. I will just say that I have a twitch.tv account now, so go to twitch.tv slash therationalnational. Follow me on there. Now, I do plan to do some streaming. Um, I don't know exactly how or what or when. But uh, I do want to start engaging in, in multiple platforms here. I mean, at least in terms of Twitch and YouTube, because there's YouTube is pissing me off if it hasn't been obvious. So I think it's important that we uh, diversify and just you never know when shit's going to hit the fan, especially with the way YouTube has been going. I don't want to risk anything. So I'm going to start doing a little more on on Twitch. But at the same time, a program that I use does allow me to stream to both Twitch and YouTube at the same time. So I'm going to see if I can do that. The only issue is that YouTube is more restrictive when it comes to copyrighted content. And uh, when it comes to um, the kind of subject matter you can actually discuss, Twitch is, is a little more open with that stuff. So uh, it, it, I mean, if, if I stream to both at once, it may actually negatively impact my channel on YouTube if I get some kind of strike or something. So I'm not totally positive if I'll stream to both at the same time, but uh, it all depends on what the content is. So it's best to follow me on Twitch at twitch.tv slash the rational national, and you'll be notified whenever I go live. All right, let's get uh, to the YouTube segments. Your mom made her choice. Yes. And we're all here yeah, I'm with just... the consequences of that choice. <laughs> Democratic Congresswoman Katie Porter is freaking hilarious. So she dunked on Bill Maher on his own show. Now, it was to make a, a larger point, and it was all in good fun, though I did find it kind of uh, odd how Bill Maher appeared to uh, take offense to it. So I, I'm going to show you two clips here. The first clip is the dunking, and uh, the second clip, when I come back, uh, will be Porter going deeper into this issue and why it's so important. But first, here is uh, Katie Porter dunking on Bill Maher. Look, I am pro-choice, but I mean, I'm a little squishy and always have been because they told my mother after my sister, a very difficult birth, she shouldn't have another one. So knowing that I could have been on the cutting room floor, I'm... <laughs> <laughs> what? Why is that so terrible? <laughs> I, but I get it. As long as look, it's still in you, you... Your mom made her choice. Yes. And we're all here. Yeah. I'm just... With the consequences of that choice. Well, I just want to say, Mrs. first Martin... of all, fuck you. You can go watch another show. We got we got a lot on the lot here. If I'm not doing it for you, I just you. want to say, yeah. God yeah, I'm bless... asking the hard questions. God bless Mrs. People... Mar. God, God bless her for having you. Yeah. I'm sure it wasn't easy. <laughs> I'm a mom to three kids. It ain't easy. But the point is, well, she and your father, and she made her choice. Yeah, I, again, I'm not arguing what you're pretending I'm arguing for, all of you on this panel, and you assholes. Who are. I don't so, anything, so I don't think he should be blamed for He's this. not. I'm talking to you, too. Totally all right. So I found that <laughs> very entertaining. It doesn't happen very often where, where somebody on Bill Maher's panel is willing to use him as the butt of a joke. And look... It's hard to tell if Bill Maher was uh, bothered by that or not. He appeared to kind of get angry about it. Maybe I'm wrong. That's how it looked to me. Once he sat down, he looked kind of pissed off, which if he was angry or it did bother him, it's kind of funny considering he always goes after millennials for being snowflakes and always so sensitive. Yet here's Bill Maher not even being able to take a, a joke here. But um, Katie Porter is exactly right. This is is a choice. This is about women's health care. This is about a choice that that uh, a woman should, should be able to make about her own body. This, I mean, 
we can go on and on and on about all the decisions that we make in our lives where it could have gone down a different path, something could have changed. The idea that Bill Maher is, uh, you know, isn't so sure about this issue because his mom may have not had him. I mean, <laughs> that, that's that's a conservative way of thinking. He's thinking within his own bubble, with his within his own life experience and not thinking about, well, the opposite of that is forced birth, forcing someone to carry a child to term against their own will. I mean, how is that not abuse? So this is a woman's health care issue. They have they should have the right to make the decision in their own life or and for their own life. Um, now, let me get to Katie Porter here uh, again. This time she gets deeper in the issue and really goes after Joe Biden for his failure on women's rights. I, this is just an issue of right and wrong. I'm the only person sitting at this table who has ever had to face these kinds of health care decisions. And Joe Biden is is simply trying, Biden's trying to make a political decision here and failing still to recognize that this is a personal decision. And even when he talked about it, even when he talked about it, he couldn't quite get the word out. It was right. like health care for women that might involve, you know, some pieces of you that are sort of, per it's like women cannot have social and economic equality without the right. right to control their bodies, without bodily autonomy, period, full stop. And the fact that Biden... was a professor better late than never for the student who gets it on the last day of class but literally right. if this is for him a reckoning that's coming out of political motivation well, rather than out of understanding what? what it means to be oh i don't know half of the world's population right. then, then that's a real problem all right so katie porter here is 100 percent right and uh, before i go any farther I just have to acknowledge how funny Katie Porter is. She's naturally funny. I mean, she could be a comedian if she wasn't a a, a congresswoman. But um, everything she says here, I mean, I don't want to go over all the points she just made. She made them better than I would ever be able to make them. So go rewatch the clip if you need a refresher on what she just said. But Katie Porter willing to go after Biden here shows you what a lot of Democrats are lacking. And that's their willingness to actually challenge power and not just general power but specific power, certain people or corporations, certain corporations actually naming names. I mean, you really only have Katie Porter, AOC, uh, Rashida Tlaib, a couple others actually willing to call out the powerful by name, actually willing to call out people within the, their own party by name. I mean, Porter is doing this knowing full well that Biden could be the Democratic nominee. So understand here that she is not only brave, but this is a, a rare congresswoman in in her seat here willing to do what other congresspeople are not willing to do. And she deserves all the credit in the world for saying it. Actor Kiefer Sutherland slammed Ontario Premier Doug Ford for essentially being an idiot. Now, before I get to the, uh, the slamming, let me first give you some backstory so you understand exactly what's going on here. So, as Global News reported, Social Services Minister Lisa McLeod on May 31st wrote an op-ed in the Financial Post with the headline, Tommy Douglas knew runaway debt was immoral. Conservatives couldn't agree more. In the op-ed, McLeod uh, evoked the memory of Douglas, former Premier of Saskatchewan and leader of the NDP, to justify the government's fiscal policies and criticize the NDP. Now, the article was then tweeted out by uh, Doug Ford, quoting McLeod, saying, it's time to make government work for the people again, not the other way around. I think Tommy Douglas would approve. Now, if you know anything about Doug Ford, so Doug Ford runs a conservative government. Tommy Douglas was a socialist. He's the guy that gave Canada, he's a, essentially the, the, the father of universal health care in Canada. And on top of that, he's also Kiefer Sutherland's maternal grandfather. So a lot of people don't know that. Now, Sutherland 
after seeing Ford and McLeod uh, tweet this out, was not happy about that. So today, he tweeted this out uh, to Doug Ford and Lisa McLeod. Mr. Ford, your tweet has recently come to my attention, and I can only tell you that you are correct. My grandfather, Tommy Douglas, was fiscally responsible. In addition to balancing the budget of Saskatchewan, he also provided the province with paved roads, health care, and electricity. He did it all within four years. Contrary to your argument, it was never at the expense of social and human services to those in need. I personally find your comparison of your policies to his offensive. So I can only ask, as the grandson of this man, for you to stop posting his picture and using his name as part of your political agenda. After all, I knew Tommy Douglas, and you, sir, are no Tommy Douglas. P.S. You're lucky my mom's not active on Twitter. Sincerely, Kiefer Sutherland. Damn. Jack Bauer at it again. <laughs> now, this, uh, this false idea that Doug Ford is peddling out there that, oh, these cuts is just like Tommy Douglas, just like what Tommy Douglas was. Tommy Douglas, a socialist. Yeah, all four cuts. All four cuts to social services, even though somehow he is the father of universal health care. But sure, Tommy Douglas, just like Doug Ford. It is so completely stupid. I mean, it shows you either Doug Ford's total stupidity or just how much of a liar he is. It's one or the other. He's either completely effing stupid or he's a total effing liar. It's one of those things. Now, austerity has been proven to never lead to prosperity. Cuts does not lead to improving the lives of society, of, of people in these societies. It never has. So, look, I don't want to get too deep into uh, MMT here, but if you know what MMT is, you understand that you don't need to make cuts to these social programs in order to invest into society. So, look, if you don't know what it is, look it up. But regardless, Tommy Douglas is the proof that the opposite, actually investing into society, is what helps to make society better and improve the lives of everyone. So uh, Luke Savage tweeted something out here that, that is, makes it clear exactly where Tommy Douglas stood on this issue. So he tweets out, Hate to be that guy, but I really wish people would stop trotting out the Tommy Douglas hated deficits talking point. Don't know when this started, but the CCF in Saskatchewan presided over a massive expansion of the state and welfare programs. So Tommy Douglas, being a socialist, presided over a quote-unquote massive expansion of the state and welfare programs. So I guess that means that Canadians hate him, right? Oh, Tommy Douglas, one of the worst Canadians of all time. Actually, in 2004, Tommy Douglas was crowned the greatest Canadian of all time after a nationwide vote. Which shouldn't be surprising, considering, yes, he gave Canadians universal health care. Now, um, Lisa McLeod responded to uh, the criticism that uh, Kiefer Sutherland <laughs> threw out there. So she tweeted out, I used to like this show, referring to uh, 24, which overtook a very expensive bus shelter ad in fall of uh, 2017 outside Queens Park. Alas, it's more difficult to be a politician than pretend to be one on TV. Now, um, actually, I don't think that's 24. <laughs> I think that's another Kiefer Sutherland show or movie. But the point being here, look at the ratio on this tweet. So as you can see by the comment to like ratio, she got ridiculed for this dumb tweet. Because as you see, she didn't address any of the facts that Kiefer Sutherland laid out in his rebuttal to this uh, BS. And on top of that, I have to, almost every time I talk about Doug Ford, I have to bring out this little fact because it's important people understand how dishonest this government is. So while they're talking about how, oh, we don't have any money for these social programs, we got to make all these cuts. While they're saying that, they canceled a planned surtax on the wealthy worth $275 million a year. So this Ford government pretends there's no money for anything while giving the wealthiest people in Ontario a massive tax cut. That's what this Doug Ford government is about. Your indifference costs these men and women their most valuable commodity. Time. 
During a House subcommittee hearing, John Stewart torched members of Congress over the need to reauthorize the 9-11 Victim Compensation Fund, which is expiring next year. Now, I was kind of surprised that this has not already been dealt with. I mean, I've seen these stories pop up here and there. I thought this was done. I thought this was funded. I thought we all understood that, of course, the first responders should have their health care taken care of. But no, John Stewart and those that were down there on uh, on 9-11 have to continually come to Washington and fight Congress to actually have their health care funded. So first, some uh, quick backstory here on why that's the case. So Congress passed the James Zadroga 9-11 Health and Compensation Act in 2010 over opposition from some Republicans who balked at its $7 billion price tag. The act was reauthorized in 2015 for 90 years, but a portion of the law, the Victim Compensation Fund, was only funded for five years through the end of 2020. The fund aimed to provide necessary financial support for the thousands who suffered serious medical issues, including a spate of cancer diagnoses, after the 2001 attacks. Now, I have several clips here to show you. The first clip will be uh, John Stewart lambasting Congress for the many empty chairs in the hearing. Behind me, a filled room of 9-11 first responders, and in front of me, a nearly empty Congress. Sick and dying, they brought themselves down here to speak to no one. It's shameful. It's an embarrassment to the country, and it is a stain on this institution. And you should be ashamed of yourselves for those that aren't here, but you won't be. Because accountability doesn't appear to be something that occurs in this chamber. We don't want to be here. Lou doesn't want to be here. None of these people want to be here. But they are, and they're not here for themselves. They're here to continue fighting for what's right. Lou's going to go back for his 69th chemo. The great Ray Pfeiffer would come down here, his body riddled with cancer and pain, where he couldn't walk. And the disrespect shown to him and to the other lobbyists on this bill is utterly unacceptable. All right. So one of the takeaways that I get from uh, John Stewart's statement here, and you're going to see the, the, the other clips coming up, is just how much this is needed, how much John Stewart is needed. So it's so rare to have these people who have this kind of um, this platform, this following, someone like, you know, this is celebrity stature like like John Stewart and use that platform to actually do good and to push Congress and showcase how incompetent they are. It's amazing how rare this is. Now, just some clarity on the empty chairs to be completely, you know, objective here and, and fair. There is sort of an excuse for why at least some of the chairs are empty. So uh, this from the Hill. Um, this is a quote from Representative Steve Cohen, who's a Democrat from Tennessee. Uh, quote, my subcommittee, every single member on my side, which is eight of us, have been here today. Cohen continued. All these empty chairs, that's because it's for the full committee, not because it's disrespect or lack of attention to you. Cohen noted that some lawmakers could have conflicting committee hearings and meetings or be visiting with constituents or watching on TV. Saying he appreciated what Stewart has, quote, done and what you do and what you said, Cohen added, the Congress will respond. So that may explain why some of the chairs there uh, are are empty. But um, John Stewart continues here discussing the health issues and the government inaction that uh, the responders have been facing. The breathing problem started almost immediately, and they were told they weren't sick, they were crazy. And then... As the illnesses got worse and things became more apparent, well, okay, you're sick, but it's not from the pile. And then when the science became irrefutable, okay, it's the pile. But this is a New York issue. I don't know if we have the money. 
And I'm sorry if I sound angry and undiplomatic, but I'm angry, and you should be too, and they're all angry as well, and they have every justification to be that way. There is not a person here, there is not an empty chair on that stage that didn't tweet out, never forget the heroes of 9-11, never forget their bravery, never forget what they did, what they gave to this country. Well, here they are. And where are they? And it would be one thing if their callous indifference and rank hypocrisy were benign, but it's not. Your indifference costs these men and women their most valuable commodity. Time. I think that last point that Stuart makes there is what uh, something a lot of people lose sight of. How much time this has taken from these people's lives. Their need to have to fight and fight and fight just to get health care. These were the people that were down there, the first responders down there at Ground Zero on 9-11, helping people out of the rubble. And they've had to fight for almost 20 years just for health care? I mean, this is insane. And it goes beyond just the, um, just the first responders. So, so for you to understand how, how, um, how many people were really affected uh, health-wise, by what happened uh, on 9-11. I mean, here's a story from The Guardian uh, from 2018. September 11th, nearly 10,000 people affected by cesspool of cancer. Thousands who lived or worked in lower Manhattan on 9-11 were exposed to toxic fumes from destroyed towers. There were 9,375 members of the World Trade Center Health Program certified as having a related cancer as of the end of June, according to the program. An additional 420 members who had cancer have died. In all, more than 43,000 people have been certified with a 9-11-related health condition. The toll on first responders has been well documented. 182 members of the New York Fire Department alone have died due to such illnesses. But the carnage goes much further, affecting many who were lower Manhattan residents, office workers, teachers, and students at local schools. So, all of this need for health care. And what do you get from members of Congress? Hashtag never forget. Thoughts and prayers. I mean, just empty BS. Their job is to help people. I mean, are we losing sight of that? The job of Congress, the job, the job of, of politicians is to actually help people. They are public servants. That is their job. Yet, what do they do? They listen directly to special interests. What they prioritize is tax cuts for the rich. That's their priority. Anything to help their big, their big donors, whether it's large corporations or big wealthy billionaires, whatever they need, that's what's prioritized. When it comes to actually helping people, which is what they should be prioritizing, it gets ignored. Let's go to the uh, last clip here where um, John Stewart just continues. We can't fund these programs. You can. Setting aside that no American in this country should face financial ruin because of uh, a health issue. Certainly 9-11 first responders shouldn't have to decide whether to live or to have a place to live. And the idea that you can only give them five more years of the VCF because you're not quite sure what's going to happen five years from now, well, I can tell you, I'm pretty sure what's going to happen five years from now. More of these men and women are going to get sick and they are going to die. These men and women... And their response to it is what brought our country back. It's what gave a reeling nation a solid foundation to stand back upon, to remind us of why this country is great, of why this country is worth fighting for. And you are ignoring them. Why this bill isn't unanimous consent and a standalone 
issue is beyond my comprehension. And I have yet to hear a reasonable explanation for why. It'll get stuck in some transportation bill or some appropriations bill and get sent over to the Senate where a certain someone from the Senate will use it as a political football to get themselves maybe another new import tax on petroleum. Because that's what happened to us in 2015. They responded in five seconds. They did their jobs with courage, grace, tenacity, humility. 18 years later, do yours. Thank you. All right. So just a few points here. The first uh, comment from, from John Stewart there, I mean, is exactly right. No American should face financial ruin due to a health issue. I mean, how often do I talk about Medicare for all and the need to have single payer health care, the need for health care to be guaranteed to everyone and high quality health care to be guaranteed to everyone? Look, I've said again and again, as a Canadian, I have experience with single payer health care. It's fantastic. The way I know it's fantastic is that I never have to think about healthcare. If I need it, it's there. When I've needed it, it's been there. I had surgery once. I had to fill out, I think, two sheets of paper. I had to wait three months because it was a minor surgery. It wasn't. It wasn't uh, anything that required immediate attention. Got it. Went home. That's it. I mean, it's that easy. So uh, I don't want to get into a whole discussion about the, the benefits of single-payer healthcare, but if that existed, you really would not have to think about this at all. These first responders would be covered. Everybody would be covered. They would be getting the healthcare that they need, not just for uh, what happened on 9-11, but for other people that may experience health issues due to whatever is going on. So it's just... Medicare for all is, is the obvious solution to all of this. But apart from that, as Stewart says here, what often happens is issues like this will be used as a political football so that lawmakers can, can, can use something like this to try and pass something else that they want and say, oh, you got to do it for, for the first responders. Meanwhile, they're actually trying to serve their donors with a, a bill that actually serves other interests. So it's, it's disgusting what Congress does. And there would not be the attention on this issue that it deserves without Jon Stewart. Hey everybody, we have a great interview for you today. I am joined now by Sahil Habibi, better known as Progressive Voice. Sahil, how's it going? I'm doing well, man. It's a nice day outside. How about yourself? <laughs> I'm doing pretty good. It's nice here too. So uh, I wanted to bring you on because you're a victim of YouTube's total incompetence. So before we get into it, the whole Carlos Maza and Steven Crowder controversy uh, or debacle led to essentially YouTube deplatforming a ton of different channels that have nothing to do with actual hateful content, but may cover hateful content to debunk it. And that's what happened in your case. So talk about the video that you had up that uh, YouTube essentially removed from the site. So I wouldn't call myself a victim because this is a very minor thing. And I'll probably, we'll probably get into this later, but... Uh, so basically, I wake up and I look at my email and I see an email that says that one of my videos was taken down. It was this video that I had done about Steven Crowder because he had done – he has this article on, on his website, which I tried looking for. I'm curious if he took it down. But he also has a video up where he talks about that. And in the article, you know how like when they do you know quotes for famous people, they have a picture of said person and then they have the quote. And so it's yeah. like a picture of Hitler, and then it has a fake quote in there that's not actually his. And so Snopes had debunked this. And it was a quote that was actually from Gregor Strasser, who was like the left-wing dude from the Nazi. He was like the left-wing leader from the Nazi party. And he was actually killed on the Night of Long Knives because obviously Hitler did not like lefties. Um, and so I had done a video on that, and I look, and the video is taken down. It says that it was flagged and taken down upon review I kind of knew this was a mistake because it didn't make any sense, but I certainly wouldn't call myself a victim because yeah. they just took the video down. There was no, if there was a, a strike given of some sort, where there's community guidelines or something like that, 
then I would have been like, oh, okay, this is actually kind of bad. But, you know, it wasn't too big of a deal, but it has now been reinstated, luckily. Yeah. So I called you, uh, <laughs> called you a victim or as a joke, but you are a victim of YouTube's incompetence because this is something that they are... It's So to me, this is an issue that would be easily... Uh, could be easily addressed if they hired more people and qualified people that could simply tell the difference between a video that is hateful content or bigoted content and a video that is debunking hatred. So, uh, as you said, your, your video was reinstated after about a day. Like everybody was retweeting this, so <laughs> I retweeted it out. But then it was retweeted by uh, H Bomber Guy, Contrapoints. I think some other people retweeted it out. So it, it's almost like it it requires. Uh, thousands of retweets and all these eyeballs for YouTube to actually uh, act and and reinstate and and acknowledge that they made a mistake here. So what are your thoughts overall? Just I mean, I know it's been a week since this Crowder Maza thing blew up. But what are your thoughts so far on how YouTube has dealt with this entire situation and how they could maybe better uh, address it? So yeah, so <clears throat> you're right that the only it only got reinstated after I believe ContraPoints had retweeted it, which got like nine thousand favorites and it's probably still growing yeah. right now, and that's when it got reinstated. But you know, my thoughts on the situation overall, you know, what are the things that YouTube could do to prevent these kinds of things? I mean, they just have to, I guess, like you said, hire more people and just have a better process uh, than they're what what they're doing right now. But you know. So far, you know, for I haven't seen too many people be really adversely affected by this. So I'm not sure what your experience is with this. But, you know, I feel like maybe a couple more videos are getting demonetized now than they were before. But, you know, I don't really see too much from this. Um, mm -hmm. I know that there were a couple of channels that were unjustly. Some were taken down, but I think they're reinstated. So there were certainly some mistakes made. Uh, but the way that they could do this is honestly, I'm not even sure if they really needed a new policy in the first place, because yeah. I mean, what Steven Crowder was doing was already in violation of the terms of service, right? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yes. Yeah, so, yes, yeah, so I'm not even sure why they really needed to go that whole long mile, especially when they didn't do anything. Well, they so what's so did they demonetize him or was that just the shirt link? So what they it sounds like what they did is they demonetized his channel, but until He's demonetized until he addresses the issues with his channel. Now, what those issues are, I don't know. <laughs> so uh, I know uh, one of the tweets that they put out there was saying uh, any of his videos that have that shirt link on there, they'll be that video will be demonetized. But it, yeah, th they don't seem to have a, a really, uh, really a clear idea on how they're doing this, even though it's in their terms of service, as you say. So I broke this down in in a previous video. It, it's right there in their terms of service that. You know, what Crowder did in his video, essentially gay bashing Carlos Maza, that is uh, that is a good enough reason to take a video down. So it's and as you were saying, so other channels were also um, deplatformed or, or videos taken down. So Vic Berger has a video going after uh, Mike Cernovich that I saw him tweet out about, I think, uh, today or yesterday, saying that that video was uh, removed. I mean, <laughs> and Vic Berger, if you know his content, he just makes like funny joke videos. Uh, another yeah. guy, uh, Ford Fisher, a documentarian, he uh, basically shoots video of um, of protests and and protests that that might be you know pro Trump protests or, or or Nazis protesting, and his content was taken down. And actually, no, his I think his entire channel was was demonetized, and YouTube has still yet to respond to to him. So I, I just don't. This is the thing. I, I don't understand why this is so tough. And like, so, what are your thoughts on, on the other side of that? Where there are people saying, well, you can't, uh, you can't demonetize anybody. You can't deplatform anybody because that's just uh, censorship. Um, so w with the definition of like for censorship, the only way I would classify demonetization as censorship is if somebody relies upon that income. So I think if like you rely upon the income from advertiser from advertisement revenue, I could totally see that as being censorship. But you know, in most of these cases, whether it be Steven Crowder who sells mugs for like ninety dollars, but I think it's like some video package or something. Uh, you know, these people don't really rely on you know YouTube advertisers. So yeah. I don't think that it really applies censorship. Now here's the thing: is there was. So there were some responses to the tweet that I sent out about like this. It's this very minor instance of like, 
hey, look, YouTube made a mistake. They took a video down accident. They didn't give me a strike or any of that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. They took this video down on accident, and or it was a mistake, and they should just reinstate it. That's all they need to do. It's a very easily, you know, fixable issue, mistake that they made. And yeah. people were responding to that. Like, there seems to be, uh, like, a side with an agenda here whose, like, goal it is is to hope that lefties' content gets pulled down. Because then they're like, oh, look, I was right. Like, look, see, you can't do this. And so when I'm when instead of like addressing the head on just incompetency of YouTube themselves, it's like this goal of like, oh, I hope your content is getting taken down. And, and if it does, I don't want to do anything to try and reinstate it. I just want to, you know, sit there and troll. And basically yeah. be like, oh, haha, ha, like, look, see, this is what happens. Yeah, when it's and like, dude, all you have to do is reinstate the video. That's it. Yeah, and what those people don't don't understand is, so, it, it if if YouTube did what they wanted YouTube to do, and that was just platform everybody monetize everybody, YouTube would have no advertisers left. I mean, the whole the whole reason for Adpocalypse was because YouTube advertisers advertisers that were on YouTube did not want their content on say pro Nazi content. So advertisers started to to pull out because YouTube wasn't handling it properly because they saw one video with like. A guy that has like you know ten subscribers, but put out some pro Nazi content, had like an ad on it. Uh, it was like it, it became a, a huge deal. So advertisers were worried that their content would be on on hateful, bigoted content. So this idea that if you just monetize everybody, you just platform everybody, oh then it's going to solve the problem. No, it's advertisers will just completely be removed from YouTube. Now, if you think you know that's a, a direction to go, then I mean some people may may feel that way. And that's fine, but understand that's what would happen if YouTube were to go in in that direction. So I, I'm actually curious: is your video uh, being monetized now, or is it still, uh, or is it demonetized? No, that video was demonetized since its inception. <laughs> it's oh. an old video from like two, three years ago, and it's about yeah. Hitler. That's immediately getting demonetized. There's no way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but still, no I, I like, I, it, it's still weird to me because all these websites, they have ads. That on articles that talk about you know shootings or Nazis and it's it's not a problem, but when it comes to YouTube, it's almost like there's a, there's a weird it, it's it's almost because people or advertisers feel that because it almost mirrors television in a way that our ads can't be on there. Even though again, if you go you know watch CNN, they'll cover a shooting and then cut to commercial break. Like it's 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 weird to me that there's this sort of um this this double-edged sword or or this these rules where they don't really apply to to television or other websites but they apply to just YouTube and for people that rely on YouTube advertising I think it's it's a huge deal for them but um yes do you have anything to say yeah I was going to say the failure of YouTube to understand the difference between this is pro Nazi content and this is anti Nazi content I think is just really a, a massive failure on their part incredible yeah. failure yeah it, it just seems to me it seems obvious i mean if they have actual manual reviewers i don't know if they do so it, for people watching if you don't know when your video is demonetized you can appeal for it to be reviewed and if they appeal it and it's still demonetized it'll say uh confirmed by manual review meaning i guess i think that somebody watched the video to ensure that it was actually uh, a video that should be demonetized so if that person is watching the video but they think it should be demonetized simply because of the uh subject matter and not necessarily because of what you're actually discussing in the video i think that's an issue i mean if there are people watching the video and reviewing them anyways they might as well just uh, review them based on a standard that actually i think makes sense which is demonetizing videos that are promoting hate uh, hate bigotry or, or, or hatred and monetizing videos that are debunking hatred or or bigotry um but let's. I want to talk a little bit about Twitch now. So you you started a, a Twitch channel. I uh, I I joined you or or joined one of your streams to kind of figure out what Twitch is all about. <laughs> so discuss Twitch and why you decided to uh, to start a, a channel there. Yeah, uh, Twitch is just it's been a platform around for a long time. It's a live streaming platform, uh, and and you know it's just a it's just a fun platform to be on. You know you can stream on YouTube. But it's not the same as being on Twitch. Twitch does definitely seem to be a superior platform for streaming. Obviously, it's a streaming-only website, so it's probably mm -hmm. going to be better. But it's just a cool platform to be on. You know, you have, like, 
a sort of separate entity that's not YouTube, although Twitch is owned by Amazon, funny enough. But, yeah. uh, you know, it, it's just a cool platform to be on. It's fun to live stream and you kind of get to build your own following there. And uh, I hope more. I know that people like David Pakman, David Pakman was considering going on Twitch. And so there might even be some more lefties going on Twitch in the future. I'm not sure. Yeah. So who's on there uh, right now that that talks politics? Um, right now, people who talk politics, there's, I know there's Hassan Piker's on there, but I know that uh, a guy named Actual Jake is on there, and then Destiny also talks politics sometimes, mm-hmm. like a good amount. Um, and then there are other people who are like people who are part of BreadTube who also are on there, but it seems like their streams are more geared towards like playing games and just kind of shooting the shit rather yeah. than like strictly talking politics. But there aren't too many on there right now. Yeah, so there's definitely, I think, potential for uh, uh, more political channels to, to grow in there and, and especially, you know, left-leaning political channels. So I will say as well, I have a Twitch TV account I ha- or Twitch.tv account. I haven't uh, done any streaming yet, but sometime this week, maybe, I'll stream something. So if you're uh, on Twitch, just look up The Rational National. I think, I assume it's at Twitch.tv slash The Rational National. Um, how do people find you on Twitch? Uh, Twitch.tv slash The Progressive Voice. All right, so make sure you uh, follow both of our pages, and you'll be uh, notified whenever we uh, we go live. So, um, I think that's all I want to talk about. So, yeah, your video was taken down; it was uh, eventually put back up. I hope that's going to be the case for a lot more of these uh, these channels that have videos that are removed uh, without any real uh, reason. But we're going to have to wait and see how this all plays out. But um, Sahil, uh, thanks for joining me. No problem, man. Thanks so much for having me on. And one more time. Uh, before we leave, uh, where can people find you on on uh, on Twitter and on YouTube? So on Twitter, my handle is at Progress Voice. And on YouTube, you can just go to YouTube.com slash The Progressive Voice and you can find me over there. All right. Thanks again. Thanks so much, man. And if he can galvanize this 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 sort of uh, argument, he's going to get more people than just young folks to listen to this. Bernie Sanders is making his case for democratic socialism this week in a new speech to voters. Now, he did this back in 2016, but this time he's also going to be contrasting himself against Donald Trump, who he says also supports socialism, just a different kind of socialism. So as Newsweek reported, Bernie Sanders to say Donald Trump loves socialism, just not for the working class. Quote, while President Trump and his fellow oligarchs attack us for our support of democratic socialism, they don't really oppose all forms of socialism. They may hate democratic socialism because it benefits working people, but they absolutely love corporate socialism that enriches Trump and other billionaires, Sanders will tell the crowd. Now, in short, I think this is brilliant. But I'll discuss more of my thoughts after I show a clip right here of uh, Charles Payne, a Fox News contributor who thinks that what Bernie is doing here is compelling. I'm the I'm the grandfather or the godfather of this stuff, right? Because it's, it's a lot of his presidential rivals have cherry picked at at, the, at parts of his plan, right? So some want Medicare for all, some want universal basic income, some want different parts of it, but very few of them are stepping up to the plate and just saying, "Hey, yeah, democratic socialism." Mm-hmm. So they're trying to have their cake and eat it too. I think Bernie's trying to put them on notice at a time where you know he's starting to fade just a little bit in a bigger democratic picture. I think what's going to be really compelling potentially about this speech. Is, is when he talks about corporate socialism, which he says is going on right now with President Trump, because I think one thing that resonates with a lot of people, forgetting about political identity for a moment, the big Wall Street bank bailout. Did we really truly need that? I mean, everyone else, everyone watching this show right now, when they make mistakes in their lives, they pay for it, right? They lose their homes. They lose their jobs. They lose the college fund. That's going to resonate if he can make some sort of connection. The carried interest for billionaire hedge fund managers, why do they pay such low taxes? Now, they argue why. Many people think, though, no one's ever really taken this on because they have so much money, so much power. It makes a lot of people angry. I don't care what political party. Could that win over the younger voters? That he's not just younger, but older. Anyone who's paying taxes, you know, saying, "Well, why would a billionaire who who has private jets, which by the way also get tax breaks, uh, you know, need a lower tax rate?" His his ideas will cost 
how many trillions of dollars? Oh, I'm not, I'm not advocating for the ideas. What I am saying, though, is that if he presents it in a certain way, it's going to resonate with more people. You know, there was a recent Harris poll that said 40% of Americans prefer, prefer socialism over capitalism already, and it was 47% of women. So, you know, it, this is something I take very seriously because there are certainly, you know, things that we can do better in this country. And if he can galvanize this, this, this sort of uh, argument, he's going to get more people than just young folks to listen to this so it's you know it's it's something that Medicare we get for we can't all just, green new deal free we college. can't slough it off because yeah we know the economic damage you know but I also felt that there would be a certain amount of economic damage by other pre previous presidential candidates and they were voted in so welcome comrade Charles Payne it's good to have you this was an incredible segment I'd be everything from what Payne was saying to how the host was reacting the host freaking out but Charles how many trillions of dollars is it going to cost? I, I mean, I'm going to play that clip again, that, that little piece, because that was just incredibly enjoyable. A lower Charles, tax rate his, his ideas will cost how many trillions of dollars? How many trillions of dollars? I mean, <laughs> I love it. I love to see it. They're freaking out because they know that Charles is right. You can't justify the bank bailouts. Actually, I'm going to show you in a second as well that Bernie is going after that as one of the aspects of this uh, this platform. He's he's being vocal about that on Twitter as well. But first, so Charles appeared to cite a uh, a poll here saying that almost half of of uh, female voters support socialism. I'm not sure what poll he's citing, but the poll that I saw, a recent poll from Axios on uh, HBO, shows that 55% of women prefer socialism. And actually, uh, in that same poll, four in 10 Americans overall say they would prefer living in a socialist country over a capitalist one. The system is not working for people. I mean, just to saying the words, but Charles, Medicare for all, Green New Deal. That's not an argument. Do you have an argument for why the wealthiest people in the country keep making more and more and more while everyone else is getting screwed? Do you have an argument for why people can go... Uh, can go bankrupt because they can't afford health care? Do you have an argument for that? So what Bernie is offering is an actual solution here. And all he's offering is social democracy. I mean, this is not full-blown socialism. This is not workers controlling the means of production in every aspect of life. This is simply offering things like Medicare for all that the vast majority of other countries already have. This, these aren't crazy ideas. Now, the so the one part of uh, Bernie's strategy here that I think is so completely brilliant is showing that Donald Trump and the Republicans are also for so are also for socialism, but socialism for the wealthiest. I mean, the bank bailouts is a perfect example of that. So let me show you a tweet that he recently responded to. That is showcasing Bernie's fight here. So uh, this tweet went out saying, uh, JPM's diamond makes the case against socialism uh, at Biz Roundtable this AM. Quote, socialism means that the government owns and controls companies, he says, and uses them for political purposes, for jobs and votes. Not the same definition Bernie Sanders has been using. But Bernie quote tweets uh, that saying, I didn't hear Jamie Dimon criticizing socialism when Wall Street begged for the largest federal bailout in American history some $700 billion from the Treasury, and even more from the Fed. So this is just showcasing one aspect of Bernie's fight here. He names names, showcases who uh, or what the problem is, and who to blame. This is why Bernie stands out from the other candidates. It's not just, you know, this general criticism of, oh, it's not fair that, that, you know, billionaires are making more money or that corporations are not paying people properly. No, he calls out Jamie Dimon. He goes to Walmart, goes to Amazon, calls out these companies directly and gets results because of it. Now, let me show you uh, actually another tweet that went out here that Bernie responded to showing that I think he's really sort of turning a page here and willing to be uh, more aggressive than he usually is on these issues. So this uh, tweet went out saying, McConnell, as long as I'm Senate leader, Democrats' socialist schemes won't become law. 
Bernie quote tweets that saying, you've got 18 months left. (laughs) So this is the fight the Democratic Party needs to take up. I mean, this is the fight that they've needed to have all these years. They kept losing seats under Nancy Pelosi and Barack Obama because they kept capitulating to conservative talking points, to conservative positions on policy. Here is Bernie doing the opposite, actually fighting for real progressive positions, fighting for actual voters. And this is also, uh, so he's also echoing MLK's uh, famous words. So uh, the idea that the U.S. has socialism for the rich and rugged individualism for the poor. So that's an MLK quote. And Bernie is also utilizing that clearly in his platform and uh, in his uh, speeches here. Now, the other... So there's even there's, there's multiple aspects to this. There's a, the part going after Trump, showcasing how Trump is socialist for the rich. Um, the part about MLK and, and adopting that kind of platform for um, showing that you can have a government that works for the people and not just for the rich. And then on top of that, he also has the FDR angle. So as Newsweek reports, in his speech on Wednesday, Sanders aims to explain what democratic socialism means to me, the senator told Politico earlier this week. He will also argue that democratic socialism is the unfinished business of Franklin Delano Roosevelt's New Deal. Sanders will make the case that housing, employment, health care, education, and more are certain guaranteed rights that all Americans should have. So this is the, I guess, third aspect of Bernie's uh, platform here and his, his speech. It's extending what FDR did, basically continuing FDR's plan and actually forming a government that works for the people and going after the powerful and showcasing their greed and the need to address that greed in order to actually help the rest of Americans. I mean, Bernie's talked about the stat over and over again, and it's worth pointing out over and over and over again that three people or three families, actually, I think it may just be three people in the entire country have more wealth than the bottom half of the country. Three people have more wealth than the bottom half. You can't justify that. Attacking it with, but Medicare for all, but the Green New Deal. Uh, (laughs) I think people are a little smarter than that. I know there are a lot of people out there that, you know, are brainwashed or don't know any better, are just misinformed. But if Bernie continues making this case on how socialism already exists, but it exists for the rich. If he continues making the case that, yeah, socialism is scary if it's working for the richest people and the largest companies, but it's not scary if it's working for the people. I think uh, even as, I mean, when you are convincing a Fox News host, I think it shows you that there is a, there's a real argument to be made there that can convince a, a lot of voters. 